For 40 years, Lynn Wilder, once a faculty member at Brigham Young University, and her family lived in, loved, and promoted the Mormon Church. Then their son Micah, serving his Mormon mission in Florida, had a revelation. God knew him personally. God loved him. And the Mormon Church did not offer the true gospel. Micah's conversion to Christ put the family in a tailspin. How could they have believed the wrong thing for decades? If they left Mormonism, what would this mean for their safety, jobs, and relationships? Join us today as I feature Lynn Wilder. We'll discuss her book, Unveiling Grace, the story of how we found our way out of the Mormon Church. This is Kay Meyer, president of Family Shield Ministries and your host for today's program. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Kay. It's a blessing to be with you. Well, you are a wife, a mother, a grandmother, a scholar, and an author with a doctorate in education. And uh, I love your book, Unveiling Grace, the story of how we found our way out of the Mormon church. Tell us a little bit, just kind of summarize first for our listeners, what happened? And tell us about your family as well. My husband and I joined Mormonism in our early 20s looking for a church. We were in the Mormon church very active for 30 years, and then God did what he does so well, (laughs) reach down and draw us and turn our lives upside down so that we will be done with ourselves and we will look to him. That's a wonderful story, and uh, so many people that are struggling with loved ones in the Mormon Church or in another group that uh, is not part of the body of Christ struggle with this. So thank you so much for your willingness to share this story. Uh, Tell us first why your husband and you became Mormons. You had grown up in the church, uh, but um, you didn't really, you weren't able to discern truth from error. Why was that? because I didn't know anything from the Bible. My parents took me to church every week. I would call us nominal Christians, but we never cracked open the Bible. And so I didn't have a truth source. Mm -hmm. I didn't know where to go for truth. And although I kind of knew the basic story about Jesus dying on the cross, it didn't really make sense to me, Um, although I knew I wanted Jesus. Mm -hmm. My husband then grew up in a Baptist church and also never became baptized, didn't really catch the vision, although his parents did read the Word somewhat at home. We marched into Mormonism, married three years, um, looking for a faith and kind of assuming it was another Christian Mm -hmm. option. One of the things that drew me to Mormonism was on their badges that said the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I had actually recently read the Old Testament and decided these were last days because Israel had returned and none of the pastors in the churches where we were visiting were talking about that. I thought that was really important. And then these Mormon missionaries said, oh, we know all about latter days. You know, Joseph Smith has restored Christ's original church in these latter days. And we marched right in and were always active. Mm-hmm. 
And at one, you you were involved in actually teaching at Brigham Young University uh, at one point. Uh, but tell us about your family. You had your children after you became uh, active in the Mormon Church. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, we had had a number of miscarriages. The Mormons told us if we went to the Mormon temple and we got sealed together so that we could be married for this life and the next life, which is what Mormons believe, that God would bless us with children. And believe it or not, that's exactly what happened. We had our first live child nine months from the time that we first went to the Mormon temple in Washington, D.C. Um, that kind of helped solidify our belief in Mormonism. And so we raised our kids in the faith. They mm-hmm. believed it. They were really active. And all of our sons served the two-year Mormon missions. Yeah, I I was so touched that your your son, Micah, came to faith while he was on a uh, his Mormon mission because I remember years ago us inviting two Mormon missionaries into our home for multiple meetings, sharing Christ with them, and they actually started asking so many questions, they got moved out of St. Louis way before they were supposed to. And I still remember Elder Dixon, I don't remember the other's name, but I remember we we loved them. They were just such wonderful young men, and when they were told to leave, they came by our house to give us a hug and tell us goodbye, and I never knew what happened to them. But uh, it gave me such hope that we don't need to know. We just need to share God's love uh, with people and love them. Um, we, we don't want to uh, uh, be mean or mean-spirited to anyone because uh, just as you and your husband had become active Mormons, you thought you were in a church that God was leading. And uh, a little bit later, of course, with your son's trip, you, uh, mission trip, you found out differently. Tell our listeners a little bit about um, what happened when your son went on that mission trip to Florida. God is so good. He, <coughs> excuse me, he started changing the trajectory of our lives. When Micah was in the Missionary Training Center in Provo, he was supposed to do his mission in Mexico City. But out of the blue, for no apparent reason, his lung collapsed, and because of his health problems, he ended up stateside, is what Mormons call it, or in Orlando, Florida, in the middle of the Bible Belt. And Micah was so zealous for the Mormon Church that he tried to convert pastors, knowing that if he could convert that pastor, he could bring the entire congregation. Oh, my gosh. So this was, Pastor Benson was the second pastor that he tried to convert, and this loving man turned Mike around at the end of that meeting. He'd already told him that the gospel he was teaching was not the gospel of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. and he challenged him to open the Word, and to read the New Testament like a child, with no preconceived notions. And he promised him that God would change his life. And that's exactly what happened. Micah took the challenge, read the New Testament, probably a good 18 to 20 months while on his mission, while he was a leader in the mission. God opened his eyes to the fact that Mormonism was not the gospel of Jesus Christ. He 
surrendered his life to the Christ of the Bible. While he <laughs> was a Mormon missionary. That's just an amazing story. Yeah. Go ahead. It is. Two days late, and he says, he got on his knees and said, God, what now? You mm-hmm. know, you've completely changed my life. What do I do? And then he got the opportunity to speak in front of 80 missionaries <laughs> and bear his testimony of what he'd learned. Mormon on. missionaries, right? Absolutely, wow. and Mormon wow. leaders. Yeah. He stood up and said, Jesus, that's all you need, mm-hmm. and that he's the only mediator between men and God. I read it in the New Testament. He was actually called in and questioned for almost three hours about what he believed. They took his temple recommend away from him, told him he had the spirit of the devil in him, mm-hmm. called him an antichrist, mm-hmm. put him on a plane, and sent him home to be excommunicated. Mm-hmm. Um, to where you were in Utah. To where we Utah? were in Utah, yeah. yes. The moment he got off the plane, it was late on a Saturday night, we took him to our Mormon leader in Utah. He asked us to bring him in front of the high council the next morning. We knew he'd be excommunicated. Mike and I did not take him in and put him on a plane and got him out of Utah. And that started our journey mm-hmm. to the real God. It's just amazing, uh, Lynn, to me that God brought your entire family out of Mormonism because that isn't the way it often happens. Um, Well, maybe there's still, I think there was a sister or something, but your children and you and your husband, it took time. And that's one of the things that I noted in your book. This is not a fast thing. You don't hear the gospel say, oh, I was wrong, and off you go. It's a struggle for Mormons that realize, like you did, that what they had held to, what they had loved, what they had believed all of these years was not God's word, was not the true Christ or the true gospel. Tell us a little bit about how it was for you and your husband as you uh, studied the New Testament, learned more about the Jesus of the Bible. Before Micah got on that plane and we sent him out of Utah, he said, Mom and Dad, please just read the New Testament like you've never read it before, with no preconceived notions, like a child, like he'd been challenged. I think he knew that if we got into the Word, that the Holy Spirit would um, open our eyes. So Mike and I took that challenge. We began to sit up at night in bed and read the Bible. It took me, oh, I cannot tell you, when I started reading about this God of grace, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in contrast to the God of works that I had known mm-hmm. in Mormonism, I was just enamored, became almost uh, consumed by him, just wanted to read about him, didn't want to go to work, didn't want to eat, sleep, do anything but know this God. It took me about 10 months of being in the Word, and one night I was the end of myself. I laid face down and said, I'm yours, save me. Mm -hmm. I just was done with trying to control my own life. Mm -hmm. And from that moment, everything changed. It was a little bit frightening at first. I never kind of experienced things like answers to prayer, Mm. um, you know, walking with God, God opening doors, God leading us. Mm -hmm. Um, I can tell you a couple of those experiences. 
you asked about my relationship with my husband. He was several months behind me, six to eight months behind me, but he's very logical, methodical, and I could see that he was reading, and I knew he'd get there. So for about Mm -hmm. a year, I was underground as a Christian Mm -hmm. at BYU, wore a cross under my clothes. They're not allowed on BYU's campus. Took my Mormon temple garments off and just kind of waited to see what God would do, and uh, He is a miraculous God. It's frightening at the beginning of the journey because you're leaving everything yeah. behind, yeah. 30 years of friends, you know, job, position, home. Mm-hmm. But when you get to know the God of the Bible and what He can do and how personal He is and experience His love, there just is no turning back. And family or no family coming along with me, Mm -hmm. um, God is worth whatever the cost. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I want to make a few announcements, but I want to just highlight something uh, Lynn just said, and that is the cross had to be hidden under her clothes because they don't want Mormons to wear crosses. I want to come back to that and and just uh, clarify a little bit more about that. I think that might surprise a lot of people. Each week, Family Shield offers a complimentary booklet to radio listeners. This week, we're offering Reasons to Believe. Family Shield also purchases and gives away tracts that equip Christians to respond and witness in love to Mormons. To receive the booklet, our tracks, call the Family Shield Response Center toll-free 1-877-317-4326. We're also offering one of Julie a Wild... I, see, I even had it, Julie, there. I'm so sorry. Lynn Wilder's book, Unveiling Grace Through a Drawing. If you'd like to have your name entered into the drawing, sub. Submit your name and information to us by calling the Response Center, same number, 877-317-4326, or email us through our website, www.familyshieldministries.com. Family Shield airs its radio program on 51 radio stations throughout the United States. Although the gospel is free, thank God for that, radio airtime is not. We encourage your prayers and financial support for our ministry. Send a gift to Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. I want to take just a minute before we go back to our discussion with uh, Lynn Wilder to ask her where listeners could get a copy of her book, Unveiling Grace, the story of how we found our way out of the Mormon church is a great book. I read it this last week, every word, and uh, I just so enjoyed it. It's got so much good information because you lived as a Mormon for over 30, what, 30 years, correct? Yeah. And so you know the insides and the details, and, and you, were, you and your family were very active. You were in the temple. You were uh, baptizing people for the dead and all of those strange teachings that we don't totally understand as Christians. Uh, but tell our listeners where they can get a, uh, your book. The book is available at Barnes & Noble, um, Amazon.com, any Christian bookstore, uh, pretty much everywhere books are sold, Unveiling Grace, okay. the story of how we found our way out of the Mormon Church. And you also have a website. Can you give that? 
Yes, there's an Unveiling Grace book website, and there's also um, our ministry website, which is unveilingmormonism.com. All right, very good. Right before um, I made the announcements, as you talked, you talked a little bit about for a time you were hiding that cross under your clothes while you were at Brigham Young University. Uh, Tell us just a little bit more about uh, that time and why you had to hide a cross under your clothes. Mormons actually believe that the atonement happened in the Garden of Gethsemane, not on the cross. And they say that Christ sweat blood in the garden and that that's what atoned for our sins. Although Christ's atonement is a partial atonement because according to Mormon scripture, there are some unforgivable sins that Christ's blood does not cover. So it's a very different teaching than what Christ teaches in the New Testament. Um, So the cross to a Mormon doesn't have any great significance. It's only the place where Jesus died. And they'll say to you, so if your mother died with a gun, would you wear a gun around Mm -hmm. your neck? Mm -hmm. Jehovah's Witnesses say that same thing. Well, there is so much in your book about the different teachings, and I think uh, anyone that's listening that wants to learn more about Mormonism, uh, this would help them also, especially if they have uh, friends or relatives that are in the Mormon Church, just to help them understand and learn how God walked with you. Now, I really found it interesting, uh, Lynn, that your husband, one of the issues that helped him finally make that leap of faith uh, from uh, law to gospel was the polygamy issues. And uh, I I wondered if you could share just a little bit. I think a lot of people know uh, that polygamy was uh, a part of the Mormon church years ago, but you, you explained that it's still going on today. Just tell us a little bit about that. In the United States today, the estimates are that probably 30,000 to maybe 100,000 people are still living polygamy. Some are the fundamentalists that kind of uh, Warren Jeff set, that kind of dress like pioneers. But there are many very modern-looking folks, and we know this from some of the television shows, Sister mm-hmm, Wives, mm-hmm. etc., that also practice polygamy. Polygamy in the United States started with Joseph Smith, who is the founder of Mormonism. It is still in Mormon scriptures that polygamy is an eternal principle that will be lived in the millennium and will be lived in the next life by righteous men who will work their way to godhood and have their own world. Mm. Yeah, it's very much not Christian doctrine. No, not at all. And that was one of the things that your husband kind of researched. Of course, this was part of the Mormon church, especially in Utah, I think more more prevalent there. And that was one of the things that helped him understand as he studied the Word of God, he realized this is not biblical. Well, he started running up against men who were active in Mormonism that were actually sealed to more than one woman Mm. in the temple and then expected to have those wives in the next life. And that was really shocking him that there are actually uh, members of the Twelve Apostles in the Mormon Church currently who are sealed to more than one woman. Now, usually their first wife will die, and then they'll marry another Mm. one, and then the next one will die, and then they'll marry Mm. another one. That's how they get sealed to several, Mm. and then Mm. they have them in the next life. So that that's a spiritual polygamy still being lived. Sure, 
Sure. Yeah. I want to read a quote by a friend of mine who was the one that encouraged me to uh, get a copy of your, of your book and interview. Her um, son uh, was raised in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate, and uh, when he met a Mormon, he became Mormon. And here's what she said after reading your book. I cried through half the book because I have seen the Mormon life as she described it and because they were led out of the Mormon Church by the Word of God as the Holy Spirit prepared their hearts. This is my prayer, Kay, for my family. Join us in praying for families like Sue. Sue is down in Texas. She works with our our counter-cult ministry. And there are so many family members struggling and heartbroken because they do know Christ and they do know that the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is not a church that proclaims the law and gospel as God's word tells it, uh, that eternal life is a free gift, not a result of our good works, uh, and that Jesus Christ has done for us already. Um, What do you think of, uh, Lynn, when you hear that just that story that Sue shared that she's crying through your book because it was such a blessing to her, giving her hope. My heart goes out to the Sues in the world. I cannot tell you how many I have heard from wonderful Christian families whose youth go off to college, Mm -hmm. find a nice Mormon, and then get married in the Mormon temple. Um, It seems to be quite a pattern. I don't know if there aren't enough good Christian youth to date, (laughs) but certainly the good Mormon youth are very morally clean Mm -hmm. and seem very attractive. And um, I have heard this heartbreak of stories many times. In fact, I usually try to connect the families that this has happened. It's a good idea. Yeah, and support groups for this type of thing is very important. Thank you so much for what you're doing just by sharing uh, all of what you're sharing through your book and giving hope to families like Sue, who continues to pray for her son and now grandchildren and son and daughter-in-law. Um, well, as we have um, oh a little bit of time left, um, one of the frustrations for you, uh, as I read the book, was that although you were in the Mormon Church all these years, you had Christian relatives that you didn't feel tried to witness to you at all. They did pray for you. Uh, let's talk for a minute about what uh, loved ones can do when their family or close friends are active, are getting active in the Mormon Church? What should they do? How should they share their faith? I really believe that the Word of God does not return void, and I suggest planting the Word um, in a very kind way. It says in the Book of Mormon that contention is of the devil. So if you are trying to talk to a Mormon and you are presenting things that are contrary to what they believe, sometimes they'll just shut down because Mm -hmm. they believe it's contention and then it comes from the devil. So it needs to be very loving, and it needs to be subtle, and I think it's wonderful to be able to plant ideas in the heads of Mormons that will help them question their own faith and help them go searching. Um, In the back of my book, there's this wonderful doctrinal comparison, and it'll give you scriptures that are the exact opposite of Mormon doctrine. For Mm -hmm. instance, God does not live in temples made by man's hands, it says in the New Testament, then you could simply throw that out there and ask, so why do you build temples Mm -hmm, in the Mormon Church? mm -hmm. Chances are they won't 
know that that scripture exists in the New right. Testament, and you will have planted a seed. So I really think using the word is a helpful way to do it, but very kindly. Yes, great. And of course, to pray for them, because it isn't prayer that's powerful, it's God that's powerful, and he answers prayers. Um, And uh, you talked about how he began answering prayers as you came to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord. Uh, Tell us about a prayer that he's answered in your life recently. Wow. Um, When we gave up our membership in Mormonism, we did it on March 16th in honor of John 3:16. We were praying, God, are we going to stay in Utah? What are you going to do with us now, now that we're yours? The very next day, in the middle of an economic downturn, someone from California drove through our neighborhood in Utah, knocked on our door, asked to see the house, and offered us cash. Wow. God was answering prayer. Yeah, he can. He he does do that. We, I teach on prayer a lot, and I say he answers yes, no, and wait. He doesn't always answer the way we think he's going to answer. But that was an answer to your prayer then. Because, um, your your son, Micah, had um, moved to Florida, and uh, uh, we have, oh, just a little bit of time left. Tell us a little bit more about uh, after you and your husband uh, left the Mormon church, and what's happening now in family? From the day that Micah got on that plane and left Utah, he knew that God intended for him to have a ministry, and he began a Christian band that puts the Word to music and a ministry that teaches the gospel of grace. He's 28 now, and he's been in ministry seven years. Mm. They're called Adam's Road, and you can find them on the internet, adamsroadband.com. My husband and I never intended to do ministry. I got another professor job in Florida, but two years ago, Zondervan asked me to write this family story, and uh, God seems to be doing something with it. Brilliant. So I would say this to Sue. You know, her, her son went in, but God may very well have a plan mm-hmm. for that. He may very well yeah. bring him out and, uh, and use him mightily. Yeah. Use, yeah. Yeah. Use him mightily. We have about a minute left. So, um, anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners in this very short time that we have left? You know, the book is not just for people interested in Mormonism. The wonderful thing about the book is that the story was created by God. And so it's a witness to Christians to remember how big their God is and what he can do and what he's up to. I literally believe he is drawing people out of Mormonism. Tens of thousands are coming out every year. It's a wonderful ministry for Christians to reach out. Like Jesus is appearing to people in Islam, he is drawing people out of Mormonism, and I certainly do not know the mind of God, but it does seem that he is at work among this people. And so Christians, be ready and be there and be willing to share how big your God is. All right. Very good. My guest again has been Lynn Wilder, her book, Unveiling Grace. This is Kay Meyer with Family Shield. Thanks for listening.
You've been listening to Family Shield, a production of Family Shield Ministries. Its mission is to educate and equip people through the power of the gospel to know Christ, grow in His Word, and to strengthen individuals and their families. To learn how you can obtain resources or support the ministry, go to www.familyshieldministries.com or write Family Shield Ministries, P.O. Box 230015, St. Louis, Missouri, 63123. And tune in again next week for Family Shield.